0: Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. One of the hardest things for any preacher to do is when the Spirit of God is moving so freely and suddenly you have to stand up and do a sermon and you just want to say, Lord, can I just kind of can I just kind of sit right now and just dwell and linger in your presence? Will you turn to your neighbor and say, "There's no one. There's no one like Jesus." I greet you from the Philippines. Of course, um, Pastor Jaron is there, and he gave me specific instructions to. Um, Greet everyone and give everyone a um, a hug. But since there's so many, I'll just give one big hug. <laughs> um, just yesterday, uh, was it? Yes, yesterday was Sunday in the Philippines, and uh, Pastor Darren shared the word at. Um, ACCF, Asian Christian Charismatic Fellowship. And um, you know, the, the church is like being rebooted. Um, it was a church that, um, it's a church that Pastor Jaron had in fact pastored for so long, and um, it is the church where myself and my wife included, by the way, where's my wife? Hello, wife. Will you please <laughs> give a warm welcome to my wife? <laughs> Um, So, yesterday, we, uh, after about six months, going on six months, we were averaging about 56 yesterday, face-to-face, and 55 online. Give the Lord a hand. I think that's great. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Of course, I see some uh, familiar faces. It's, It's so great to see each and every one. Um, Yes, it's it's been close to a year, almost a year since the last time, and um, I I always say that the Heights Worship Center is is our home away from home, Um, and um, I greet you from Tagaytay City. It's actually 5,562 feet above sea level. It's overlooking um, a lake and a volcano in the lake and a lake within the volcano, so it's, it's heights as well. But Tagaitai Christian Church, by the way, just, just to give you a, a bird's eye view of what great things God is doing here, of course, at the same time in the Philippines, um, Tagaitai Christian Church um, has been in existence for about, well, I'd say, five to six years. But by the grace of God, we have, by, by God's grace, really, Um, One, two, three, three daughter churches, and one, two, three, four, four outreaches, and it keeps going, and going, and going, and going, (laughs) hallelujah. Heights Worship Center, in fact, has contributed greatly to one of the daughter churches in Batangas, and um, uh, the building, the church building is about You have about a couple of uh, major foundations right there, two foundations. Um, And um, it's about 75, 80% done. But there is church ongoing there for the past three, four years. And God has just been so good. Amen? Amen. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, "God God is so great. And as we look to the, you know, as we were worshiping and the songs that were being sung, And of course, the word of knowledge and everything, Uh, I just couldn't help but just really praise God for today's message, which I had prayed for. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Are we there? Amen? Amen. And reading from the New International Version. Matthew 8, 5 to 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not disturb to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this He was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places in the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Supporting verse Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let us pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you. And we praise you and we honor you. For indeed, you are good. Lord, you are not only good, you are the best. And Father, we just thank you for giving us Jesus to be Savior and Lord of our lives. We thank you that even now, though unworthy we are, Lord, the blood of Jesus just cleanses us, purifies us. And Lord, we thank you even at this point that by your spirit, Lord, you have given us your word. We ask and we humbly pray that you would let, let allow us to see your purpose, your will, through the lens of your eyes. And that, Lord, this word will be so engraved in our hearts that we will be changed from glory to glory into the likeness and image of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this we ask, for this we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say amen. Amen, amen. Oh, okay. There you go. I was looking for the footstool. I was like, where is Thing where you put your foot on, but God is good. I, you know, one thing about being Filipino, you um, tend to um, recognize that the genetic line of being partly Malayan and partly a mix of everything else is that um, um, you have a certain handicap, but it can also serve as a, an advantage because those who are tall are unable to reach things in the lower places. <laughs> my father is actually 5'11 and 3 fourths. One fourth to six feet. But my mother is 5'2. I got my mother's side of it. But God is so good. God is so good. You know, every time I, I, I get the opportunity... To come here at Heights Worship Center, um, my heart just—just just, you know—you you know how the certain feeling, like like when you come into that place, and you know you're with family. Amen. You know, friends you can choose, but family you can't. <laughs> so I love you all no matter what. <laughs> praise God, praise God, and, and you know, um, even as we were worshiping. I could just really sense something so unmistakably uh, part of our, even our own DNA in the Philippines. And of course, um, God's servant, Jaron uh is partly responsible for that. <laughs> I, I do, do boast a little bit when I say to the brethren in the Philippines, I tell them, when you go to Heights Worship Center, in Hacienda Heights, um, California, you will be able to see a Lady Jaron in a white form. (laughs) Pastor Adon. We we both have our own Jaronic tendencies. (laughs) But when we look to God's Word this morning, we see One of the most profound, profound encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ, an unnamed, in fact unheralded at times, centurion. Now, mind you, being a centurion historically carries with it such an intense display and symbol of power, a symbol of authority. A centurion in Roman times was one who was in charge of about a hundred soldiers. And not only that, the centurion symbolized the very power of the empire which he represents, which is, of course, the Roman Empire. And we know that the Roman Empire had, in fact, conquered um, Israel, and and Israel at this time of the encounter in, in the life of the centurion, Israel was under Rome. And one thing about centurions, you could spot them from a mile away. How? Well, their uniform was different. It was such that the centurion is identified as being in today's rank, probably like a captain or a colonel. Um, Brother Gabby would know that. And um, one thing that makes a centurion different is that around his waist is a belt, It's called a zingula militare. It's a piece of Roman equipment that forms the belt that's decorated with different metal fittings. It's worn by a soldier or a, um, yeah, a, a, a soldier with a badge, a military status. Forgive me, I have to speak one Filipino line. You will know a centurion. By the cinturón that he wears, the Filipinos understand that in the, in Philippines Tagalog cinturón means the belt, and actually centurion it represents the number one hundred. And at this point, when you look at this particular meeting, there there is nothing about this meeting that is just coincidental, and and we know this that life in the Lord nothing. There's no such thing as an accident. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything has a purpose. Amen? Amen. Everything has a reason for happening. And the centurion, mind you, represented the power, the authority, and the might of the Roman Empire. And of course, because Israel was under Rome, being a centurion and a Roman soldier, in fact, was something that the people around just disdained, because it reminded them that Israel was, has been conquered by a foreign nation, a Gentile nation, in fact. So this morning, I'd like us to be able to go straight to the point. That's our title for this morning, Straight to the Point. And when you read this encounter, number one, certain things just come out of the pages. First, that the soldier was unnamed, no name. In fact, many in the New Testament, in the Gospels particularly, are people with no particular names, but those whom Jesus had spoken so greatly about. The woman with the alabaster jar. This person, the centurion, who represented something which Israel did not really favor or like. But not only that, but that this particular centurion, there are certain qualities about him that you will clearly see how and why Jesus was so amazed at the fate of this person. Four things I'd like us to be able to take home this day. Four ways to appropriate the word of God. First, from verses 5 to 7, the Bible says the centurion came to him in the city of Capernaum. Even that city by itself is, is quite profound because Capernaum was a city, while there were many miracles done in this city, there was still quite some great unbelief even amongst the Jews who had seen the miracles and experienced the very miracles that displayed the power of Jesus and validated who he claimed to be. First and foremost, how are we to appropriate the words of God? How are we to just take and apply the words that Jesus speaks to us? Verses 5 to 7 says this. Centurion came to him, and he said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering. Now, mind you, the centurion had a servant, and for him to even boldly break through all the cultural barriers, break through all the the religious barriers that existed, because anyone who was caught or seen talking, consulting Jesus was certainly branded as a rebel was certainly branded as somebody who is to be outcasted, even from the synagogue. But here was a Gentile, an unbeliever, mind you, another word, an uncircumcised person who did not in any way have any right to even come close, or at this point, not only come close, but humble himself before a rabbi. What does this say about How are we to appropriate the word of God? God's word, first point, must be predicated by the acceptance of human incapacity. The centurion, for all the power, for all the ability, for all the wealth that he had, he saw his servant. And I know that he tried in every possible means through whatever science that was medical science that was available at that time, he tried to have his servant healed, but nothing happened. But there was something about the heart of this person. He cared. And he cared enough that he was willing to be seen as somebody who humbled himself, who commanded a hundred soldiers at a single... Psst! Soldiers would be clamoring. The centurion is calling. But here was a man who because of the situation that was before him, who because that he recognized that there were certain things that was beyond his power, beyond his capacity, he accepted it, that there was no hope for his servant, except he had heard and he had seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. And for that moment in his heart, he said, I have to go and meet this person, but not only meet him, I have to bring before him this problem which is beyond my control or capacity. Brothers and sisters, when we come to God and we have his word set before us, the beginning point of that word becoming effective in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation, that it lies before us, is that we must accept that without the Word of God, without the specific revelatory Word of God, we are all incapable, incapacitated. Because it is only the Word of God, by the very Word of God, that you and I are able to breathe at this moment. Amen? Amen. Last time I was here, I even was bringing an oxygen tank. But praise God. On, yeah, I can breathe. Hallelujah. Yes. You know, that's why wherever that song is sung, um, this is the air I breathe. <laughs> oh, that resonates in me greatly, greatly. I have a condition that doctors say, um, uh, sir, you have pulmonary. Hypertension. That means that because the normal um, carbon dioxide in the human body is between 25 to 35, but your carbon dioxide, the last time I had an episode, was 125. I fell asleep without even knowing that I was asleep. And I was rushed to the hospital and the doctors at the emergency room told my wife, well, about five minutes more, your husband would have been gone. But God is good. We just had our exam at Harbor UCLA. And the latest blood result of my carbon dioxide, get ready for this, 29 And so I, I said to my wife, <clears throat> it's time to go walking. It, it's, it, it's time probably to do some uh, jogging all over the place. And of course, if Brother Ed is here, Brother, Brother Ed, we, we got to go fishing once again. Uh, we, didn't, we weren't able to go the last time, but we, we got to go fishing. But anyway, listen, this Roman soldier, The centurion recognized that despite everything that he had, despite everything that that he was able to control, this particular situation was something beyond his capacity, beyond his ability to even think of what could happen or how this thing could be resolved. But he accepted it. He came to Jesus. And not only did he come, he came humbly. I, I can almost imagine, because the Roman centurion is, stands apart from all the other soldiers. And with his helmet, and with his breastplate, and with all the, the, the armor and the things for war, a Roman soldier becomes a centurion because he's an experienced war machine. He has probably killed, oh, uh, maybe at least 100. But here was a man who humbled himself And said to Jesus, "Um, Lord, first word, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed. He was paralyzed to do anything. Same thing's true with our lives. There are a lot of things in our lives that we are unable to do anything except to say, Jesus, this is yours. This situation is in your hands. It's not mine because I can only entrust it to you. But the problem a lot of times, even as believers, is that though we say, Lord, this is yours, right after saying it, we take it back. And we begin to devise ways and means, oh, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that, maybe I can consult this person, ask that other person. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask for help from others, but what I am saying is, when we have God's word, we look to God first in everything. Turn to you and say, in everything, God first. Don't look to God when you have tried everything else, and then everything has failed, and then you say, oh, I remember Jesus. Brothers and sisters, here was a man who not only knew that there was a hope that he could hang on to, that there was a miracle worker, that there was somebody who performed all these miracles. He did not have the benefit of so many of the Old Testament promises. He only knew one thing, that there was a man who healed, that there was a man who created so many miracles that for the sake of his not even for himself, but for the sake of his servant, he had to see and he had to consult this man. And he humbled himself. He accepted that all his power, he accepted that all his authority, he accepted that everything of what he, the, the Roman knowledge and Roman science was unable to do, this man, Jesus, Jesus, this was the person whom he had to bring his problem to. That's appropriating God's word. Second point, verse 8. He said this. For I myself am under a man of authority. Because Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? You know, whenever I read that, here was Jesus with a centurion before him, a centurion who humbled himself, who presented a problem. But Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? It's as if the test was this. What is it that you desire of me? Now, don't get me wrong. God knows what we need even before we ask. But a matter that really confirms faith... The matter that really confirms the condition of the heart is when God asks a question, what do you want me to do for you? Brothers and sisters, I know many of us here has heard this question from God. I myself, as a very young, few days old believer, God asked me, ask for anything, and I will give it. And you know, by the grace of God, by the grace of God alone, I asked one thing. It was like a Solomonic experience. But when I was asked by the Lord, ask for anything, Ronald, what do you seek? The first thing I asked for was, God, give me humility. Give me humility. Because I knew my heart. I knew that I was a very arrogant, despicable man. (laughs) And I asked the Lord, Lord, please give me humility. And you know, I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now, that when you ask for humility, you have to be prepared to be humiliated. (laughs) Because that will happen. But the beauty of a relationship where God's word pulsates in your very being is that when you go through these situations and tests of humiliation, you know that Christ is with you all the way. He not, not only does he take hold of your hand, he, in fact, carries you all throughout. Second point, God's word must be so appropriated with most utmost reverence and awe. When Jesus said to the centurion, Shall I go and heal him? The centurion, a man who had so much power by a single word of command to more than a hundred soldiers, he recognized that what Jesus asked him for was something that he was so unworthy of. That was something that he was, in fact, he was in his very heart saying, Lord, I, I, I don't deserve your very presence to come in my house, but just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. That's a person who reveres the word of the Savior. That's a person who, re- who reveres with awe. Everybody say, awe. You know, a lot of times, as believers, we're so used to, to Christian words, Christian things, and, and uh, promises of God, that a lot of times we, we, we kind of lose that sense of ah. Oh. You know, it, it's, it's an, if I may get a deeper sense, a sense of ecstatic, euphoric ah. Oh. <laughs> Can you do that with me? Ah. Oh. The presence of God. Oh. Ah, yeah, That's why we, I, I love that song, and I stand, I stand in awe of you. holy God to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. See the world out there pounds it every single day, every single post coming from the world says that, don't mind God. He is just a figment of your imagination. Everything is within your control. Everything is within your power. Be independent. But to the believer, we don't say that. To the believer, we say, Lord, we are dependent upon you. We are in awe of you. Our whole hearts are enthralled. We are imbued with who you are. That's what being a believer is all about. When the word of God is appropriated with the utmost reverence, with the utmost awe, the centurion, when he heard, shall I go and heal him? He said to himself, maybe looking at the very rank in his breastplate, but looking at Jesus, he said, Lord, Lord, I am not worthy. But just say the word. I know my servant will be healed. What faith. What faith from a man who did not even study the Torah. What faith from a man who does not even know even a single thing about Judaism. But this man who knew only one thing. That Jesus did all the miracles. And that his single source of possible hope was Jesus. And he said, Just say the word. How many of us here this morning that when we hear God saying to us, This is my will, this is my purpose this is what I desire for your life. How many of us can even say, Lord, just say the word. I know it will happen. I mean, honestly, when we look to within ourselves this morning, when we look to the things which we, even as believers, were supposed to trust, when you trust, it literally means you Let go of everything that will hinder you from a complete surrender to him. This was a man who surrendered everything on the table. Lord, just say the word. Here is my servant. I don't need you to physically come here. I don't need any signs and wonders of the heavens opening and the angel coming down and say, this is God's will. No, just the word, just the living word of God. You know, brothers and sisters, the problem with the world is this, it is unable to grasp the totality and the fullness of the power of God's word, that it has to manufacture its own sense of security, its own sense of things that are pleasurable, its own sense of what will make you feel good. You know why Nike has a hook in its sign? Because it will really hook you when it says, just do it. (laughs) But to us as believers, we say this, Lord, just say the word and we know it will happen. (laughs) Sometimes you even have this, you know, um, persecution as believers when you always say, um, by the grace of God, by the mercies of God, by the will of God. And of course, those who are in the world, they don't understand why we say these things. It's because of the simple fact that we do not do anything on our own accord. We do not do anything by our own sense of abilities. We do something only by the instruction, by the purpose, by the will of God, by the word of God. Because we revere and we are in awe of him. Verse 9 to 10 says this, when Jesus... Heard this. He was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And I say to you that many from the east and the west will come and take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Third point. God's word must be appropriated with the deserved respect and authority. Everybody say respect. Everybody say authority. This centurion knew what authority meant because he had authority. He had power. Worldly as it may have been, he knew that the power of a single command was such that it could make things happen. If he says to a soldier, pointing to another one, say, kill him. That soldier would kill him. If he says to somebody out there, part of the subjects, do this, they would do it. But here in this particular instance, the soldier, the centurion was placing himself from a lower position. He was receiving God's word, the word of the Savior. He was receiving it with the utmost respect and a recognition of the authority of the word of Jesus. He did not need a physical presence. He did not need a manifestation or a proof of anything else, physical, tangible. He only needed one thing, that Jesus would say it, and he knew it would happen. How many of us here have such great faith? How many of us here, when we truly look down to within our hearts, are we able to believe God just by a simple, single promise? Or do we look for signs continually? Or do we look for things that sometimes we pattern ourselves with what the world says to see is to believe? But of course, to the believer, we are different. You believe first, and then you will see. Roman soldier, centurion as he was, he looked to Jesus and he said, Just say the word. I know it will happen. Notice the response of Jesus. Jesus was so amazed. Jesus was so pleased. In fact, the amazement lies in the fact here was somebody was not even a Jew. Here was somebody. Who did not have the benefit. Of learning any of the things. About the Old Testament. But here was someone. Who simply just said. I have a need. Only you can meet this need. Only you can meet this miracle. Only you can do this. Why? Because the man appropriated. The word of God. He considered very words of Jesus with such power and authority. There is power in the spoken word. Amen? We all know this. Yeah, I, I, I even I, I just somehow suddenly remembered an old Bee Gees song. Anyone here old enough to know what the Bee Gees was? Uh, yeah, the Bee Gees, uh, Bee Gees There was an old song in the Bee Gees. I, I, and you probably know. It. It's Only words, but words are all I have to take your heart away. To this man, the word of Jesus was more than enough that the miracle will happen. To this centurion, a man of worldly authority and power, that the word of Jesus superseded any worldly power or any worldly authority. To this centurion, the very word of Jesus transcended anything that he can ever hear from any doctor or any king or any emperor because the word of Jesus transcends even the wildest imagination that we can think of. I recognized the word a while ago, shalom, peace. When Jesus speaks peace, the waters suddenly calm. When Jesus speaks peace, the, mean, the demons are in chaos and they run away. When Jesus speaks peace, not only is the situation changed, but there is a sudden calmness that enters the heart that just soothes it and say, everything will be fine. Be still and know that I am God. Brothers and sisters, when we receive the word of God, when we appropriate the word of God, the last point is this. It must be appropriated with the ready willingness to act upon it. It takes a partnership. God gives the word. You obey the word. Amen. Jesus declares the healing the soldier took that word and obeyed because Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you had believed it would. And then the beautiful line, and his servant was healed at that moment. Now, oh, I know there was no timer at that time. No, I know, but I can almost envision it. I can almost hear the footsteps of the centurion as soon as Jesus said, go, go. He bowed and he left. How many of us have such faith that when Jesus says to your problem, it is done? Maybe you still look at the problem Maybe you still dwell. Maybe you look for, oh, will my bank account increase so that I can pay the debt? Oh, will this thing happen before? I let, me, let me observe. Let me sense. Let me do. Uh, the soldier. The centurion. A man of such worldly power. Received the word of Jesus and he willingly turned and obeyed. And the word of God says, at that moment. At that moment. Our lives are composed of moments. And when your moment comes, do not be caught unaware Because there are many moments that God gives to the believer that it is that moment in which the consequence of God's word begins to happen. But we must be so aware and sensitive in obeying what God says about that moment. When there's something in our lives that doesn't belong, and Jesus says, let go of it. Detach yourself from it. Renounce it. Yeah. But somehow, our humanities still hold on. <laughs> and then the moment passes. What happens? You missed the opportunity To experience the very glory of God. Why? Because you were unwilling to obey. I've had many moments like this. One of the most profound moments was February 10, 1990. It was the day my wife and I were married. At that moment, When Pastor Jaren says, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? I said, God, this is my moment. (laughs) And 34 years later, we are still together by the grace of God. Men, it isn't good for a man to be alone. Unless you have the gift Of single blessedness. Women, same thing. But mind you, what I would like to leave behind this morning is that when the word of God is given to you by whatever means, like what our brother said a while ago, listen, reading through the posts of Christian authors and Christian speakers. By suddenly you, you have a rhema moment reading God's word, suddenly something comes out. Lay hold of those moments. Don't let it go. Because these are moments where God is speaking to you personally and directing your life to something greater than what you can ever imagine. When Jesus promises us not only peace, he promises us joy, he promises us hope, he promises us us every great things, more than the world can offer, more than anything that this earthly life can give to us. That's why we live for the eternal things. That's why we live not for the amount of money we have in the bank, that isn't our security we live by the reality that every single word and promise of God in his Bible, in the Bible brothers and sisters, this is what we hold on to, this is what we stake our lives on this is what we stand on positionally as believers the word of God, that is what we stand on, we do not stand with every promise of what political power says we do not, whoever becomes president of the United States, it matters not to the believer we stand on one thing that we serve a God who is faithful that we serve a savior who has given his life for us but after three days hallelujah he has been risen again so that you and I we can enjoy eternal life in his very presence I challenge you this morning brothers and sisters live by the word of God appropriate the word of God Take the very word of God and engrave it in your hearts. Let's say, Lord, every single day, let your word fill me. Let your word indwell in my heart. And let your very word be what will make my life the way that you have called me to be a child of God, an heir, an inheritor. Somebody who God has personally picked even before you and I were born. Brothers and sisters, you are so blessed. You are so blessed because in this place, the presence of God, the very words of God is preached freely, with power, with authority, And with a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I ask you this morning. Continue on. Continue on because there are greater things. That Heights Worship Center. Will be able to accomplish. For the glory of God. As you go to the Philippines. This coming May to June. I know. That the body of Christ in the Philippines will learn a lot from Heights Worship Center. And vice versa. I know that God will show you great things that is happening in the Philippines that you will take back here and you will say the God who dwells in the Philippines is the same God who dwells at Heights, Ashenda Heights. I ask you this morning, I ask you one question. Will you take the word of God and appropriate it in your lives to every situation, to every circumstance, regardless of what the world and the devil says to you, do not believe the lie because he has been a liar since the beginning. The devil's work is clearly as Jesus said, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Let's not allow him that. Amen. Let's not give Satan the satisfaction of saying to God, Hey, you see your child there? They did not listen to your word. It passed from one ear and it flew out the other. Let's not give Satan that, that comfort of telling and accusing God. Uh, your 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 brethren, your your so-called children at Heights Worship Center—they're only there because they're blessed. Try—I will not—I I will hold on to whatever the blessing you're giving them. They will curse you, brothers and sisters. I know this for a fact—that our joy, our peace, our hope—is something that cannot be stolen. It's something that God can can can. Protect at each and every turn of our lives. Let not the devil say these lies to you. Every time you suddenly hear this lie from the devil, you tell him, in Jesus' name, you shut up. We sang a song a while ago about trust. I love this song. Can I ask the worship team as we conclude today's lesson? Can we sing this song once again? And as we sing this song, I ask you, brothers and sisters, whatever the word of God has shared to you this day, appropriate this word. But appropriate it with acceptance of your own incapacity. Appropriate it with reverence and awe. Yes. Appropriate it with respect and authority. And w- most of all, appropriate it with a really willingness to obey. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.